Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pleasantly Persistent Podcast. Uh, here with co-host Christy McGill, and today we are going to have on Matthew Thompson, who is the Chief Culinary Officer at Harvest Table Culinary Group. Hope you enjoy. All right, Matthew, good to see you. Will you give us a brief uh, brief bio, where you live, what you're up to, and then we'll can jump right in? Sure, sounds like a plan. Uh, my name is Chef Matthew Thompson. Uh, I, I have the pleasure of living in Cumberland, Rhode Island, here in the Northeast. Um, we were able to start a pretty innovative contract hospitality organization called the Harvest Table Culinary Group about five years ago. Uh, we're new in the marketplace. Uh, we primarily work with the college university segments. Um, we think differently about how we procure ingredients, how we prepare them in the kitchen, and how we deliver that hospitality experience to our students and, and clients every day. And it's been a really fun journey to, to grow into in terms of our, our national portfolio. So it's been uh, fun working with students and, and producers and really innovating their experience. I love it. Thank you. All right. So many questions. So I'm curious, right? We know we hear for like what's trending, what's fading. I'm very curious to ask you, what is like in keto, plant-based, gluten-free, there's so much there. What's like, what's what's hot and what's cooling down? That's such a great question. And it's something that we ask ourselves over and over. And it seems like the answer changes every semester and working with college university segments, they're always challenging us to think differently about their experience. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So, you know, obviously we just came out of COVID. And one thing that we do with the Harvest Table is we have monthly development sessions where we think differently about delivering new ingredients, new programs, new recipes. So we were finally able to travel and get back together again last March. Um, and we launched this uh, this coming uh, fall, we launched a brand new restaurant concept called All Good. And that particular concept is free of the top nine allergens. So as we pursued new ingredient strategies that we could pop into, you know, that particular uh, concept and we we could look at distribution on a national basis, we created some really awesome things. And, you know, with, with your assistance at Rooted, you know, you guys helped us get connected with some partners as well. So, you know, through that process, you know, we ended up after two days coming back together and then our dietitians were doing the analysis and they said, hey, you know what? you just created a entirely plant-based menu because you're trying to eliminate all the allergens, dairy and egg and everything else. And we said, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then we looked and we said, well, we, we have a, an opportunity to partner with a new kosher um, operation this summer. And we said, well, that strategy just happens to be kosher too. Well, look at that. Um, you know, so at that point in time, we started to scratch our head and we said to ourselves, well, long, long gone is that idea that we have to create a new station for every specific diner, a vegan station, a vegetarian station, a kosher station, an allergen station, what have you. Let's think about culinary inclusivity. How can we make an inclusive dining experience that everyone can enjoy together? And since then, you know, we've been almost entirely plant-based, almost entirely allergen-free in our development. Uh, and it's been a really exciting opportunity and our students are thrilled with being able to really enjoy some great tasting food and, and uh, ingredients in the in their dining rooms every day. That's awesome. So yeah, if you can check all the boxes and have delicious food that works, why not? And then, but just to, even though you guys are taking a broad approach and all-inclusive approach, I'm just curious, like what would you, if with each trend, if you're gonna say fading, basically same or like gonna keep growing, like what would you say, like keto? Would you say, what would you say, like fading, same, or we'll keep growing? 
I think they're all growing. You know, honestly, it's it's been interesting to watch the marketplace. Um, you know, we actually did a study with our students, and plant-based was one of the, those items that they said they either highly um, um, support or are interested in pursuing. Um, so we think that that's definitely a growing opportunity for us. Um, ironically, we're we're also seeing some of the more traditional things like comfort food and you know regional ethnic. We're seeing those continue to grow. Um, so it really is an experience where people just want approachable food and they want to know yeah. where those ingredients come from and they want it to taste great. Yeah, I think that that was the part that I was interested in, like how what what you see is trending or what you're building, right? How does that actually match up with what the students are choosing to consume? what they're asking for. And so the survey you mentioned is, is very fascinating to me because oftentimes, you know, we go in and we talk to some, uh, you know, a college dining program and we're talking about what the things we think they can do to transform their menu and change it and make it more progressive with all the things you talked about, plant-based, allergen-friendly, all that. Oftentimes you'll hear them say, well, but the students are not ready for those things. They still want, you know, the, kind of the old age old sodas and chips and hot dogs and things. But I'm curious what you guys have found as you've surveyed the students, how that matches up. So that's actually a great question because we we thought we were following the trends and then we, we stepped back and said, well, are our students really looking for that? You know, what, what exactly are they looking to do? So we had an opportunity to partner with an organization called Moonshot Collaborative. And we brought them together to do a specific study with our students. So we brought together our student board of directors and we said, okay, we've seen the data central trends. We've seen everything that's happening in the marketplace, but we want to know you specifically here as students at, at our universities and colleges that we uh, work with, what are you saying about um, uh, your opportunities? And we saw some pretty startling things. So Moonshot Collaborative primarily does uh, study-based research in plant-based. And we were shocked to see that 32% of our college university students said that they want to see um, more plant-based menu options uh, for the purpose of reducing climate action, um, climate change. Uh, and then we saw another 35% that extremely positive um, perception on bringing more plant-based options and another 26% moderately positive. So when we start to add all those things up, we're over 50% of our students are asking for more plant-based options on the menu. And that's specifically for the college university segment um, that we are working with. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting to see those trends. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. I think it's been neat to see some of these things like you started out talking about, you know, how you're checking all the boxes or a lot of them, right? And allowing students this ability to eat together, uh, especially coming off of COVID in a time when maybe people were more separated and, you know, more alone fostering dining programs that allow people to all be together and not have to be, you know, going back to like elementary school, the kid at their own table, right? But they can all sit together and enjoy something. I think there's a lot of power and that's really special. If we can continue to see colleges kind of transform into this idea that it doesn't have to be super separated. We can bring people together to eat. And so what I'm curious about is, just pops in my head, Brands often ask or people trying to get into food services, like, because with grocery, there's a certain way you get on shelf and there's a certain way you support it. And people are like, well, once you're into, we'll go with a college university, like, how can I support it? What for you does a good partnership look like once a brand, and I guess it matters more, right? If it's an ingredient or, or a front of house item. So yeah, whichever way you want to go with that, what does a partnership look like? once they're in working with you as a supplier? 
So we love to tell our food story. So we want our students to know where those ingredients are coming from, what the provenance is. You know, from, from my perspective, maybe taking a step back from your question, Matt, you know, there are really three milestones from my perspective on how that ingredient strategy can get adoption. You know, the first one is getting the culinary team excited about it because ultimately they're the ones who put it on the menu. Ultimately, they're the ones who endorse it as, um, you know, a great tasting experience. And getting that ingredient through that milestone is, is step number one. Step number two is, is a little bit more challenging because it involves all the other constituent stakeholders. It's the distributors, it's the, you know, the brokers, it's, it's making it actually show up on a regular basis across the portfolio. Um, and then step number three is getting our, our students and, and our guests excited about those opportunities every day. Um, so we try to tie together step one and step three together, and then we go, you know, head on and, and figure out distribution. But from our perspective, it's it's about continuing to tell that story, you know, once it's established as a, as a partnership and getting our students excited to celebrate it. Um, you know, students today are much more aware of where their, their food is coming from. Um, I know I've been in the industry about 25 years and there, there was a time where you could ask a student, where does your milk come from? And they would have absolutely no idea. And it was it was really cool to see Randy Lewis, one of our, our dairy farmers, come to campus, and the, the students are geeking out, and they're taking a selfie. And um, you know, Sweet Lauren Cookie was another one that that we worked on, and you know, we we brought it because it was a great tasting cookie and it met the allergen requirements. And the students were like, oh my God, Sweet Lauren, we're so excited. Um, you know, so those particular opportunities to really celebrate why we chose an ingredient strategy and get everyone excited, I, I think, is is benefiting everybody. That's awesome. Thank you. So to pivot a little bit, it's always very interesting for me. Like we try so hard as sellers, right, to to sell. But if you ever pester, if you're ever too much, so it's like getting into the buyer's mind, meaning you, it's just so interesting. So for to start off, how many emails do you get a week on average from people trying to introduce or sell you their product? More than I can even count. It, it's it's tons. It's tons. Um, and, you know, the follow-ups and the questions and, you know, it gets to a point where there's only so much plant-based meat and so much alternative dairy we can we can try. Okay. So, so okay. So, that, so, so that, how that does... is in... Well, sorry. <laughs> that is yeah, in... Yeah, no, there's so much there. Yeah, there's a lot of buyer fatigue around those two categories specifically, I think. But I'll let Matt keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, so what I'm curious about is what, like, obviously the product needs to be exciting for you, but what stands out as far as if you were going to give advice to us sellers, like, is it a subject line that's interesting? Is it you open it up and it's more short and concise? And it, it, did it, do you like when people ask for a meeting or sending samples or a virtual call? Very intrigued to hear the answer. So what really gets me impressed, Matt, is someone who clearly has done their homework. Um, so at Harvest Table, it, it's pretty simple. For us, we've got five culinary commitments, and it really drives everything we do within our organization, whether it's purchasing, whether it's production in our kitchen. And, you know, I, I'll just share an example. I, I had someone hit me up on LinkedIn telling me about their their great microwavable frozen empanada that they had and how great would it be for Harvest Table. And, you know, I, I clicked on the link just to see, and it had 300 ingredients. So I was thinking, well, not additive free. It's not scratch made. It's not responsibly like. I couldn't make a case for bringing that ingredient in with our portfolio if I wanted to. But what really impressed me is the the sellers um, that were able to say, "Hey, you know, I, I see your 
um, uh, responsibly source is important to you. You know, we've got this minority women-owned business that does some really great things. They happen to be a B Corp. You know, they bring an additive free ingredient strategy that's really going to resonate with your students. And bingo, that's that's the type of person I need to talk to. I, I, I love it. This is so good. So how about as far as a subject line? I, I, I Maybe I overthink and get overexcited about subject lines, but it's the first thing that someone sees. So it's interesting, especially as, you know, I don't know what you do, but probably a lot of people just don't even look at if you're getting too many emails. So what is like, do you like if someone says, hi, Matthew, really innovative, plant-based, local items, I guess local wouldn't really work because you guys are all over, but like, what is a good subject line? What's a bad subject line? I like subject lines that are simple, you know, that make you click on them and, and try to figure it out. Um, I would say the most most often what resonates with, with me and, and our particular organization is a producer that aligns with us on the values, you know, type basis. If, if we can kick off and have a conversation about our mutual desire to transform the food system and how we could do that together, that leads to a collaboration conversation that is almost ubiquitous of, of what the particular strategy is. Yeah, and I know you're... Yeah, Chris, go for it. As as people are emailing you, you know, what is the level of follow-up? You haven't responded to the first email they've sent you. Maybe you've read it, you haven't responded. How often is do you like to see follow-up without it hitting the point where you see another email come in from that person and you're like, I really am ever never gonna open their email now because they pestered me too far? I try to be direct. You know, if I don't think it's a match, I, you know, I will respectfully say, hey, you know, I, I don't think this is the right brand. I don't think it's a match or, or this isn't the right time for me now. Um, well, you're unique yeah. in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because I know it keeps going, right? You know, because everyone wants to close the loop. Like, did you see my message? Maybe it flipped it. Maybe you're on vacation, you're out of office. Um, and it, it has been a challenge, um, you know, and I'll, I'll share with you those those two categories I shared earlier around, you know, analog plant-based meats or, or plant-based dairy. We see them all the time. And what's really a challenge in those spaces, there's so many that are actually pretty good. It's a question of how do you choose between the two, which one's got better distribution. Um, so from that perspective, you know, I, I would say, again, I think an alignment conversation um, you know, more more than once a week, I, I think is, is too much, but uh, every other week I think is the appropriate cadence. Uh, you've obviously we've we hitting an exciting topic here because the questions. So, all right. So my, I'm curious, what if, what do you, and I, you're moving and shaking, you're in different spots, but so it'd be tougher to call you, but what do you think about and how often do you get actual calls where someone like literally calls you and then what do you think about someone actually just showing up being like hey chef i just I wanted to drop off some samples how are both received by you so phone calls for me are tough um, i'm happy to schedule a call and i'm happy even if it's something that may not be the right fit or i might be a little skeptical about let's just have a 15-minute call and let's you know do a quick introduction see if that works um, you know, I, I think today the cold call drop-in show up, I think is extremely challenging for operators. They're all struggling with, you know, the post-pandemic labor market. You know, they're all struggling with time management. You know, our managers in the space are extremely strapped. Um, so I, I think that would be a very challenging thing to do and expect to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. Totally. That, and as I see it, like we don't do the, rarely do those two routes. Like I just envision the buyer, the human being, the person just like shutting down, right? You're just like, oh, you're just like invaded my space without asking. Like, it, you know, yeah, I don't, uh, 
It's 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 interesting. Uh, what uh, what trade shows do you go to every year? To to oh, actually, let me change that. What trade shows do you go to, and do you wish you went to or have like on the want list that are just like interesting shows to see what's going on? It's it's been a while since I've made it out there. Um, you know, I was supposed to go to many directions this year. That one kind of slipped by without me. Um, you know, the the Expo East, Expo West. You know, I think are, are interesting ones just to see new innovations that are out there. Um, uh, I, I heard through the grapevine about some pretty interesting things that happen out, I think, in San Francisco um, with a, with some food shows. So I, I haven't been in, in the, the food show market very often, at least yeah. in the last couple of years. So I'd love to get reconnected now that we are on the other side of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Christy, you good on, uh, good on your end? I am. Yes, this was a, a wonderful conversation. Y yes, yes, it was. It, it uh you, I, I, I'm not going to do the fake with other people. We should do this again. But Matthew, we we down the road may ping you again if you don't mind, because uh, you know it's easy to talk to other sellers, but to have a, a yeah transparent friend. And we've talked to some retail buyers, but to yeah, it's great. So uh, thank you very much. Is there a, a plug of some sorts? I know you're somewhat active on LinkedIn. People can find you there. And he may not want them to find him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You may be yeah, asking gonna, if the only day's first name. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll drop your email in the comments for people to find you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the contrary, I love chatting with people, especially those new startups and folks that are looking to you know to grow in the marketplace. Um, I love chatting with people that just have questions around. Hey, you know, we're looking at food service as a channel for us. You know, we were tr traditionally in retail, but we see this as an opportunity. Um, you know, I had a great conversation with a, with a startup recently that was thinking about. Hey, we're um, we're going to pack this in eight ounce packets. I'm like, whoa, maybe not for food service. Can we think like two and a half pounders or maybe a five pounder? Um, so if there's any opportunity to, to network or chat with people, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, again, with a caveat, let's make sure that uh, we check those culinary equipments and wear a match. But uh, yeah, absolutely. would love to, to talk with anybody. Um, thank you very much. Have a lovely rest of your Friday and weekend and we appreciate it. Sounds great. Take care. Bye.